Hi, this is Lee Berkstein. I'm joined by Cooper Knowlton for another episode of Closed. Today, we're really excited to be joined by Alia Mohammed. She's the co-founder and CEO of Open Igloo. It's a website and app that connects renters with highly rated landlords. It was launched in 2020, and it's on a mission to bring transparency to rental markets and support tenants throughout their housing journey, which is a really important mission. So we're excited to talk about it. We're, we're super happy to have you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Sure. Um, all right. So maybe, maybe Ilya, you can just start off by, by giving us sort of a little background on how the app or how the product came into existence and um, just kind of a little background on, on, on what it does. Yeah, no, perfect. So Open Igloo was sort of born in my head, being a renter in New York City going on 10 years and just feeling like every lease I signed was a roll of the dice. Like, is it going to be a good building? Is it going to be a good apartment? And there was one experience I had in particular, which, you know, it was an apartment I loved, but the boiler broke every single winter, right? So we went weeks without heat. Landlord was super unresponsive. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, we pay a lot of money to live in this space. Like the least we could get is just like a callback or an update or something about, you know, the situation. So when I was looking for my next apartment, I wanted to do more research on the building, on the landlord before I moved in, because ultimately rent is a huge chunk of your salary, especially in a city like New York. And I was just disappointed with the with the tools. I wasn't really getting the the answers I was looking for. So I went super low tech started standing outside of buildings, waiting for people walking in and out saying, you know, how's the landlord? How's the building? Should I move in? Is there anything I should know about? And I was just blown away by the information I got from doing that. So that was a bit of the genesis for Open Igloo, which is, you know, could we build this platform to crowdsource these reviews from renters, combine it with city data, right? You know, does this building have any open violations, litigation history, and really help renters do this background check into a building and landlord before they sign the lease. So that that was sort of the, the early days. And, and anytime you hear of a, of a platform starting in 2020, uh, the, the obvious next question is, did it start kind of in the middle of the pandemic or, or did it come before the pandemic? How did, how did this sort of, how did the pandemic sort of factor into the, the start of the business. Cooper, you love yeah. bringing up the pandemic. I don't know why you love talking <laughs> about COVID. I think we've all had enough. Sorry. And it's very discouraging. All right, but I, but I want to hear the answer to the question anyway. Yeah. So I had I had been thinking about Open Igloo before pandemic, but you know, March 2020 was sort of this inflection point for me where I was like, you know what? Now I have, you know, I have some time. Maybe I just finally get this thing off the ground. Um, so, you know, started building it and people were like, oh my goodness, you're crazy. You're building a real estate tech platform in the middle of the pandemic where, you know, tens of thousands of New Yorkers are leaving the city. Are you sure you want to do that? And what we found was actually the polar opposite. People were stuck in their apartments and they were spending 22 hours a day in an apartment they had planned to just sleep in, right? Because New Yorkers are always busy and they're never at home. And then all of a sudden, all of these things came to light, right? Renters were, you know, talking with their landlords more than they had ever in the past 10 years. And, you know, all of a sudden Open Igloo was sort of this platform to, to capture those stories and voices. So the, the pandemic was actually kind of a catalyst for, for Open Igloo's mission. How were you um, in the early days connecting with tenants? How are you finding them? How are you uh, finding out what their what their issues were? Just walk us through that process. 
Yeah. So we leveraged social media a lot in the early days. Um, you know, we pride ourselves on, on our Instagram and our social channels, really just trying to get the message out there, connecting tenants with, with resources. But one of the things that we did in the first few weeks of launch was every single person that downloaded Open Igloo onto their phone got a welcome email from us that said, hey, you know, set up 15 minute time with the team, share your experiences as a renter, what you would like to see from this platform. So I had hundreds of interviews with, with renters in New York City in those early days, just learning a little bit more about what their challenges were. And this was everything from, you know, the newcomer who had just moved to New York after college to the 80 year old person in their rent control department. So I sort of got a, a whole spectrum of, you know, what the challenges have been for renters in New York City. Must have been some very long phone calls that you had when you were some of them, some of them were long, some of them were like therapy sessions, but I think it really just, um, it just reaffirmed the mission that we had, which is, you know, renters need this level of support and, you know, we want to be the platform to serve them. Did you, when you were first starting, did you focus on any specific neighborhoods in New York or was it kind of open season for any parts of the city, any buildings, any kinds of buildings? Yeah. So one of the things, you know, we wanted this to be a platform for all New Yorkers. So we're really proud that we have reviews and data across the five boroughs. What we've done is we've actually combined a lot of open source uh, city data sets. So every single building in New York City is searchable on the Open Igloo platform. We're displaying, you know, the address, how many units, what it was built, you know, what the history of that building is, right? Who owns the building? Um, are there any violations? What's the eviction history? Are there any bed bug reports? All of these things. So any address in New York City, renters can can type into the platform and, and get that insight. I would imagine that most of the like most tenant complaints are kind of evergreen complaints. So the same complaints that were present in 1980 are present now. Um, what what have you found to be kind of the the most frequent complaints that tenants bring up on the website? Um, and and then a follow up question. I'll mirror, but what's kind of been the, the most interesting complaint that you've seen? What's been the most unique complaint that you've seen? Oh, it's a gr- it's a great question. I would say you know across the board, owner responsiveness is a big pain point for renters, right? Like they have an issue and they create you know they send an email or they make a phone call and it can take a lot of time for their for them to get a message back. So what we're hearing from renters is you could be living in the best, most expensive building with all of the amenities, but if management is not responding to you when something goes wrong, that really sours the experience. Um, and then there's some you know there's some reoccurring Occurring issues that are coming up in reviews that we're seeing, you know, faulty heat is a big one. Um, pest control, of course, is another one. Like, you know, one renter will say they send the exterminator every single month, but the cockroaches aren't going anywhere. Like, it's just not. It's just not helping. And ultimately, this is really helpful information for a prospective renter who's considering moving in. Um, another common a common issue is thin walls, right? You look at an apartment, it's beautiful, it's gut renovated, and then you move in and you realize you can hear your neighbor sneeze, cough, watch TV, whatever it is, and you feel like you're living with someone. Um, you know, maybe not an issue for someone who works a lot or who's never in that space or who can, you know, sleep through a hurricane. Um, but for some for some renters that that can be a sensitive issue. So we've we've received things from across the gambit, but a lot of positive things as well, right? Um, people really highlighting amazing supers, right? Uh, giving them some some credit saying, you know, they respond within a few minutes. Um, they're super diligent. 
Um, so ultimately, you know, we want to elevate those those addresses and landlords and send renters their way. Yeah, I feel like for the for the smaller buildings, like the brownstone buildings that are rental buildings, a really quality super. I'm just, I guess, I'm speaking more from personal experience. Yes. is is kind of life changing. Someone who like will will come and fix something quickly, or even like. I'm I'm such like a bad New York City resident. I would like see a speck of dust on the floor and think that there was like a mouse in the apartment and I would call my super up to like get his view on it. Um, so it definitely is kind of a critical a critical aspect of a quality New York City renting experience. Absolutely. It is so key. And to have a super on site as well, or who lives close by to just really get to those issues as they come up is, is so critical. And that's the information that, you know, we're providing to renters when they're considering a building. But I don't want to let you off the hook because I asked you about the most unique complaints. Oh. And I am, I'm, this, that's one of the most, uh, that's one of the, my big questions. So I want to make sure that we, that we cover that. The most unique complaint we can table it and you can think about it if you want. Yeah, let, let me think about it because there, there's some pretty crazy stories. <laughs> Have you, what, what's been the response from uh, landlord, landlords and property owners? Have they sort of taken notice of the platform and, um, and, and responded accordingly? Have you, have you heard from some angry ones? So we have been connecting and building partnerships with landlords, which we're really excited about. And this is sort of, um, you know, sharing a little bit of insight into into Open Igloo 2.0, which is, you know, we're receiving feedback from renters saying, this is great. You saved me from moving into a building that has had bed bug complaints for the past year. But on the flip side, we've had landlords reaching out saying, okay, like, how can I participate in this platform? Can I claim my buildings? Can I respond to reviews? Can I post listings? How do I connect with renters on Open Igloo? And that really started us making us think about, okay, how do we bring these two parties together, right? These are two parties that really need each other, um, but sometimes don't always see eye to eye or don't have, you know, the platform to connect. So that's what we've been working on in Open Igloo is, you know, building partnerships with landlords that have been posting their listings on Open Igloo that renters can apply directly to. Um, and, you know, what we're doing is we're giving that extra layer of confidence and security where we're saying, hey, for the past two years, we've been collecting reviews from tens of thousands of renters. So we know what buildings are good and which ones you may want to avoid. Um, and ultimately just trying to, to connect renters with those good buildings. So the feedback from, from landlords has, has been positive and they're curious about how they can participate. And it's, a, it's an ongoing conversation. Do you, are, there, are there any concerns when you're, when you're building this that the only people, I mean, I can, I can speak from personal experience that I've left yes. one, one Google review in my life and it was for yeah. a, a moving company that was a month late with my stuff. And, um, I was like trying to do whatever I could. Right. And I've never left yes. a positive Yelp review. I've never, you know, Cooper, I've what about all the positive Google reviews you leave for a law firm under? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> is, is, there, is, is there some concern uh, that the only people who are going to be filling out who are going to take the time are going to be the people who are like my myself yeah. in that moment was crazed yeah. and couldn't think of anything yeah. else and, and I, never, never once leaving a positive review. Yeah, it's a great point and something I thought a lot about before we launched the platform, which is like, oh my goodness, is this, you know, we don't want this to be like every other review platform where, you know, 90% of the reviews are scathing and sort of ranting paragraphs or on the other side, just like really, you know, five-star reviews that doesn't really give any insight into the experience. So we, we did a few things. One, 
our reviews are very detailed, meaning we're asking renters to rate the building on a variety of factors, right? Pest control, cleanliness, garbage management. Would you recommend this building to a friend? What are the pros? What are the cons? So it's really difficult from a user perspective to come in and leave a very one-sided review. Um, and a lot of those reviews, you know, we moderate every single review that comes through OpenIglue. It needs to be in accordance with our community guidelines. So not every single review gets published to the system. And then the other thing that we did was we realized that there's a very particular personality that leaves reviews, right? It's the either really extreme positive or the extreme negative, and we wanted to capture people in the middle. So one of the things that we did, it says, you know, this is a community. We're trying to build this database of feedback. If you want access to OpenIglue, you need to contribute a review. You don't get to read other reviews until you submit an experience. And what that's allowed for us to do is actually capture those people in the middle who normally wouldn't leave a review, but they really want access to the data during their apartment search. So that's how we've been. We've been capturing the middle. And right now it's about 50-50. 50% of the reviews recommend the buildings and 50% don't. Um, and you know, we're we're happy with that split and think it's it's accurate and reflective of the of the current rental market. So I guess one of the exciting parts of connecting landlords and tenants is to address the communication deficit that you were talking about before, right? So um, what are some of the ways that I guess OpenIglo 2.0 is thinking about uh, enhancing the the communication between the, the parties? Because I, I would imagine that's a very challenging problem to solve for a number yes. of reasons. So um, what are what are, you don't have to give away the secret sauce, but what are some of the ways yeah. that you're exploring it? Yeah. One of the things that is important to us and, and what we've realized is that renters and landlords don't talk to each other. There's this huge disconnect, right? Um, even, you know, we had an, a, a renter the other day wanting to move in one week later and was really stressed about this, this change in the lease. Um, but this is a, this is a very simple ask that you could just propose to management. It would probably be get, get solved really easily, but open igloo is sort of serving as this, as this intermediary as this third party sort of trusted platform that can bridge these two parties that don't necessarily always communicate with each other. So one of the things that we're doing is trying to handle those communications and, and be the bridge between those two parties, especially um, at the leasing process, because the communication that happens a week before move-in and the communication that happens a week after move-in is critical. And that's usually where, where the disconnect comes. So you know we're happy to, to be that, that party in the middle, making sure that everyone's on the same page. I know as part of what you're doing over at Open Glue, or I, I could I could glean this from reading some of the articles about the the site, is that you're collecting data, right? So yes, uh, and and using data to kind of examine trends. I know you were looking at um, rent renewal increases mm -hmm. uh, in the month of July. So um, are there trends that you're seeing based on the data that you've collected over the last couple of months with respect to the New York City rental market? Are 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 rents going to continue to to spike? Is there a plateauing? What What are you seeing from the data that you've collected? Yeah, luckily, Open Igloo data is showing that rent renewals are actually decreasing. The, the price increase on a renewal is decreasing. So in February, the average renewal was about 22%, right? Your rent would go up 22% if you decided to renew. Um, in July, that was closer to 11%. So we're over the past um, over the past eight months, we've seen that number come down. And, th and that's for a few reasons. Um, you know, the COVID deals, you know, we're at the last of the, the expiration 
negotiations on, on the COVID deals on leases. So we're starting to get back to a, a normal, and I want to say normal sort of delicately because it, it's so subjective when it comes to when it comes to rent pricing. But um, you know, our bet is, you know, we're gonna see rent start to stabilize. Um, and we're sort of at this 2019 reset, right? We're sort of the market is picking up where it left off in December of 2019. So vacancies were always super low, especially in Manhattan. Um, we saw this huge correction from from the pandemic in 2020. And now we're sort of back to normal. Um, and again, normal uh, is not really normal for, for the rest of the country, but normal in terms of uh, New York City <laughs> market conditions. Is there has there been any talk of of having giving landlords access to um the information on on renters and and people who are in the building and and, and profiles of of you know like I, I imagine that it could work both ways where where landlords might be interested in you know I, obviously they get a background check and they find out a lot of information but is it, have you thought at all about doing kind of gathering information on on renters for um for, for landlords. landlords. Why are you trying to destroy the mission of Open Inquiry Cooper? <laughs> just thinking about it, about just sort of the, the, the <laughs> possible options and, and ways ways that this thing grows and scales. Yeah, I mean, so an important thing for us is we want to connect great renters with great landlords, right? That's um, that's one of the things that we're working towards. It's it's difficult to have a direct reciprocity when it comes to reviews and profiles for renters in the same way that you do for landlords. And you mentioned this, right? Landlords, especially in a place like New York, you're giving tax returns, you're giving pay, pay stubs, you're giving rent payment history, um, you know, you're doing credit checks, you're doing background reports, all of these things before the landlord even says yes to you, right? And so there is this asymmetry of information between these two parties. So it isn't our position to say, oh, landlords start reviewing your renters. And for the most part, landlords don't even know who their renters are, right? This is New York City. The majority of the rental market is, is institutionally owned. Um, even a landlord who has 100 units, which is more on, on the smaller side, isn't going to know every single tenant um, and their individual sort of situation. So I think on the on the qualitative side, it's really hard to have this reciprocity. But definitely, you know, is this is this a tenant who pays on time? Is this a tenant who, you know, leaves the property in good condition? That's information that's usually gathered at the app application process. So that's, that's our thinking, but, um, yeah, our, we really just want to arm renters with, with more information before they make a decision. And of course you want to incorporate landlords into that because ultimately they hold, they hold the supply. So, you know, we're always open to, to ideas, but definitely don't want to, to compromise on, on the mission of, of supporting, uh, supporting renters. <laughs> I, uh, you know, obviously every single, I feel like every, every year, every election season, um, tenant issues, commercial rent issues are, are all the rage in Albany. Obviously there was the tenant protection act in 2019, but I, but mm -hmm. there's, there's constant kind of discussions around that issue has, has legislation or so I'm going to ask this question two ways. Has mm -hmm. Open Igloo kind of looked at um, using any of its information for for advocacy purposes or or in, interacting with legislators? And on the flip side, have you been contacted by legislators looking to have access to the data and the information to help better serve their constituents? 
Yeah, we've definitely had researchers um, and and representatives reach out trying to get some insight into what our data is showing and, and something that we would be really open to. Right now, we've just been leveraging that data to support renters with their search. So, you know, an example is helping renters navigate rent stabilization laws, right? A lot of renters don't even know what that means, what increases they're entitled to, et cetera. Um, and we have renters sharing in their reviews to future renters looking at the building, FYI, this is a rent stabilized building. Um, you know, it's make sure that you're, yeah, making sure, you know, your renewals are in accordance with the law. So it just, you know, it arms renters with this extra layer of information when they're going in, when they're going into a building. So that's, that's one thing, you know, we are really trying to make sure that renters are aware of all of the tenant legislation that is, that is there to protect them. Ultimately, one of our, one of the things that frustrates us is there is a lot of tenant legislation, but it's up to renters to actually enforce it, right? So this this is the challenge. If you don't know that you're supposed to get your security deposit back within 14 days and you don't know the maximum application fee is $20 in New York City um, and you know, you're know you're paying more than that or you're waiting months to get your security deposit back, it's not really helpful, right? Um, so a big part of our platform is education and making sure that tenants have access to these resources. Um, and we definitely, we want to continue continue to do that has has there been anything that surprised you in terms of consumer habits and how consumers respond to um seeing this data like certain certain things that um automatically are likely to sway someone's decision about renting apart an apartment and other things that maybe you've sort of seen is surprising that that this information doesn't really sway people or um any any just kind of like large large like consumer information that you've gathered from doing this? Yeah, no, it's a it's a great point. I would say some of like the hard line things are pests, right? As soon as you see that rat or cockroach or bed bug violation, you're you're done. You're you're not like mm, maybe it's not that bad. You see it and you're like, nah. Um, and then it's also you see signs of that when you start showing up to the apartments to do viewings, right? You sort of see indications. Um, so that's definitely a hard line. The thing that doesn't necessarily sway renters one way or the other is um, things to do with noise. So the example, you know, I used previously, you know, there could be reviews that say, oh, the bar downstairs blasts music to four in the morning. You know, you're never going to sleep a wink if you have a street facing apartment. Um, but really that's so subjective, right? It just depends on who you are. If you're a family with young kids, yeah, living on the party block, probably not ideal. But if you're a young person, you know, searching for, you know, the commotion, that might be a perfect spot for you. So that's one of the things that Open Igloo is, you know, we're not saying, you know, this is an A plus building. Um, you have to, you have to move in. It has a hundred percent score. We're saying this is the information you interpret it, you know, based on what your preferences are, and then you can make an informed decision. So there's no sort of open igloo scoring saying, you know, you're going to, you're going to love this building because ultimately renters have to decide for themselves what, what they can tolerate and what they can't. You can interpret that rat infestation however you want. If, yeah, uh, exactly. It's it's complete. It's completely up to you. But you know, the the more subjective things, right? The things about noise, the things about um, rent increases. Another thing we've been collecting is you know renters sharing what their renewals look like. So if a renter saying, "Hey, the renewal is twenty thirty percent every single year." Um, a renter could look at that who's looking to stay in a place for three to five years and say, oh, I can't afford that. So I'm going to look for something else. 
But a renter who's like, oh, I only need a place for a year. I'm just coming for a one-year stint or a program or whatever it is. I don't really care about the renewal because I'm not planning on renewing. So that's that's sort of where the subjectivity comes in for for renters to really decide what you know what they want to do. I wanted to ask you really quickly um, about uh, a topic that you've been quoted on uh, recently, which are which mm-hmm. is broker bidding wars. Because as someone who is is no longer in the New York City residential tenant scene, which I, I was a renter in New York City for God uh, 10, 11 years, mm-hmm. um, but I'm no longer in that space. I'm curious to know what what that means, what's going on in that space, how tenants are uh, dealing with what seems like a relatively new issue, maybe a, maybe a COVID-born issue of broker bidding wars for for residential spaces. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. We've been seeing cases like this, particularly in really demanded neighborhoods, right? So, you know, West Village, Greenwich Village, um, those popular areas of Manhattan where vacancies are less than 1% and people are fighting for those spaces when they come on the market. That's where you're seeing these really like shocking um, bidding wars, not just on the rent, but on the broker fees. So, um, you know, on a market rate apartment, there's flexibility for um, for a renter to bid higher, but on a rent stabilized apartment, you can't bid higher on the rent. So you're seeing people actually bidding on the broker fee and trying to get the broker to, to prefer that their application or put them through. So it's, it's definitely a practice that is completely legal and above board, but just leaves renters feeling really, um, you know, discouraged, exploited, you know, not really knowing what to do. So we're definitely hearing these stories from renters. And one of the things that we're trying to do is, you know, you can, you know, connect with a leasing team of a building um, or search for no fee apartments. Um, also providing education about broker fees, right? A lot of people don't know how it works, that you can negotiate a broker fee, right? You don't have to just pay exactly what's proposed to you. Um, you know, you can work with that broker. So there's a lot of education that need that needs to happen. Um, but this this uh, practice of, of bidding wars on rent and broker fees is, is something that's really frustrating to to the renters in New York City. Well, you said it's above board. It, it might not be above board if a landlord's using it as a workaround to get more money in a rent stabilized apartment, right? I mean, if they get kickback, it's definitely not above board. But if this is a third party broker who's just charging a, a higher fee, and we saw this crazy headline over the past week of the $20,000 broker fee for a, a rent stabilized apartment in Manhattan, um, and people are sort of up in arms about it. Um, but you know what the broker did was sort of made this proposition to the tenant, which is you're getting a below market rent, it's stabilized, once you're in, you're in. You know, pay me 20k and it's yours. And a renter did that, which is which is crazy. So, um, housing supply and and rental dynamics in in New York is is a huge challenge. And especially when we see headlines like that, it really just um, you know it's it's discouraging. It's discouraging to renters. I guess the question is, how is a broker who doesn't have a relationship with a landlord getting? getting that access for more money unless there's something else going on. This is more of a legal issue for us to look at than yes. for you to look at. But. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it's an opportunity for you guys to dig in a little bit more and make sure everything is above board because yeah, ultimately um people are finding loopholes to get around some of these, you know, some of these laws, which is, which was not the, the spirit of the law to begin with, but it's a challenge for, uh, for lawyers, for policymakers, 
um, you know, for, for people making these uh, making these policies to make sure that there aren't ways to, to circumnavigate because ultimately rent stabilization is trying to keep rents reasonable and, you know, keep housing accessible for renters. And when these things come up, you know, $20,000 broker fees, that doesn't really scream uh, affordability to, to your average renter. Is when it comes to kind of pulling all this data or collecting all this data, is there is there anything about New York specifically or New York City specifically that makes this process um, unusually difficult or easy uh, compared with other other cities? Yeah, it's so it's really I don't want to say really easy, but it's easier in New York than other cities. So for a few reasons. One, if you're a landlord that owns more than three units, you're required by law to register with the city, right? So that data is easily accessible for us to say, okay, this is this person, they own 10 buildings. Um, Also, the way that data is organized in New York, things like violations, 311 complaints, bed bug reports, etc. We were looking at doing something similar for Jersey City. And the process to get that data was to file a report with the county clerk's office. They were going to send you a PDF report of every single address. And then you were going to have to manually transfer from a PDF into a system. And you're just sort of like, oh my goodness, this this is crazy. This is such valuable data for renters. Um, but New York is going to be the star for other cities in the United States for the way that they organize real estate data. So I'm I'm really excited for for that path because then this becomes a lot easier to, to scale to other cities in, in the United States. We should be discouraging people from moving to New Jersey anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> no, no hate on New Jersey. <laughs> My whole family lives in New Jersey, besides me. Okay, so, so you're so you're you're allowed to say it. <laughs> yeah, I live I live in Brooklyn, so I'm I'm not I'm not allowed to say it. <laughs> um. All right. Well, I think I think we have to go back to the to the craziest, uh, strangest complaint you've ever <sighs> you've ever heard. Okay, I think I, I think I came up with one. So there was one renter who shared in their review that their neighbor was breeding um, and slaughtering rabbits on the balcony next door, and there was nothing that the landlord could do about it. Um, and it was just one of those like things that we were reading as a team, and we just had to give it a second look, which was like, what, really? So yeah, livestock uh, breeding in New York City is is definitely something that that there happens. Was nothing, there was nothing the landlord could do about it. There was nothing in the lease that said anything about. I slow. mean, it, they they said in the review that they had reached out to management, that management wasn't responsive, that there was nothing that they, they could do about it. And this is this is also something that that we see a lot of the time, right? Landlords' hands are tied when it comes to a lot of these intertenant, um, you know, challenges. So you know, we've we've built some empathy, especially when we when we read stories like that. But ultimately, very important information to know before before you move into a building, especially if you like uh, rabbits. You would think that the breeding part, okay, maybe they can't do anything. The slaughtering part, I feel like there, there's some there laws there. Is, yeah, there probably is something that could be done about about the slaughtering aspect of that complaint. Yeah, Lots. it was a it was a bizarre one. I hope that I hope that met your expectations. <laughs> yeah, it was worth it. It was it was worth the wait. <laughs> well, uh, it sounds like um, you know a lot of good things are are happening over at Open Angle. A lot of good things are coming, and it's going to make the the process easier for finding an apartment, renting an apartment, dealing with a landlord. sounds like you are kind of working towards helping the entire kind of life process of, of a residential renter. So we look forward to kind of keeping tabs, maybe touching base in, in a few months uh, once 2.0 has, has come out. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So for, you know, for the tenants that, that are listening, definitely, you know, continue to share those experiences and help us build that database. But, you know, likewise for, for the property owners to, to participate, you know, in this platform and, you know, make sure that you're, you know, you're, you're rising above the noise because New York is, is a competitive space. And, and, you know, if you're a landlord that, you know, cares for your property and your renters, there's, there's no reason that you should ever have a vacancy. And, and we want to make sure that that doesn't happen. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was fun. Thanks for having me. This was great. For more on all things real estate and the law, subscribe to this and our other podcasts. Follow Bergstein, Flynn, and Knowlton on social media. Subscribe to our newsletter and go to bfklawoffice.com. That's bfklawoffice.com.